are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop pregame show as we are getting ready for Auburn's week two opponent as they traveled, already traveled, 2,500 miles to Berkeley, California, take on the Cal Golden Bears for the first time in school history. And sadly, there's going to be a lot of Auburn fans there. They're going to have to look at Oski the Bear. Yeah, that's that's an alarming factor and not something that Auburn fans. <laughs> Keyword on alarming. That's right. Welcome to the pregame show, folks. I'm Harrison Tarr. Dylan Lark already introduced himself. It is the eve of game day, eve of Auburn at Cal, much awaited matchup. First of a two-game set home and home between what is currently the SEC and Pac-12, and next year will be the SEC and ACC, right? So we'll be Pac-12 again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyways. Known known Atlantic Coast City, Berkeley, California. Right, right. And I, I would steal John Conley's thunder, but I'm going to go and bring him on the show because he made a pretty funny joke about Cal joining the ACC a second ago. Let's bring on, used to be our group of five analysts. I think we're just going to call them non-Auburn analysts at this point, or just college football analysts. The ACC is pretty much a Geo 5 team. Yeah let's, yeah, let's just call him our, our, our fellow college football analyst, John Conley, and let's bring him on. John, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great, guys. I'm doing great. I'm super excited to break down uh, the future of the ACC right here. Um, I, I, yeah, I said this earlier, but uh, you know, nothing screams Atlantic Coast more than Oakland, California. <laughs> so, uh, listen, we're we're ready to break this down. Uh, I'm excited to break down uh, this game, and, and this game's going to be it, it. It could be a, a little uh, a little nerve wracking if I'm an Auburn Tiger. I'm very honest. I I don't disagree with that at all. Let's talk about the knowns before we turn you loose on on your film uh, film report. First and foremost, that Auburn linebacker room was already thin. Auburn's now down Austin Keys. Um, you're you're even thinner at a position that, let's just call a spade a spade, folks, Auburn's not very good at um, and not very deep at at all. And that front seven needs some work. We talked about it on the Thursday show yesterday as this is coming out about the guys that need to step up. Uh, Eugene Asante, you got to have a day, my man. Like, you got you to pull up and, oh, yeah. and really make some plays. And that defensive uh, – that interior on that defensive line really got to show up. We know Cal likes to run the ball. I know you're going to talk about that here in a second. Auburn's got to play, get get out of this one healthy too, folks. So with that in mind, John, let's start. Uh, you, you mind if we go offense and then go defense? Um, yeah. Get, get your scouting report. Cal, what do they like to do offensively? Uh, offensively, it is all about running this football. Uh, they have a first-year OC, first-year running backs coach. They, they're they still keeping their O-line coach, I believe, is what I have written here. Yeah. Um, they, they're keeping a lot of guys. Their defense has all their same coaching staff. But this is a, a brand-new offensive look for them. And it showed uh, when they were able to run for 350 plus yards. I mean, they they absolutely took over on the ground. That's something that's not going to change this week against Auburn. They're going to try to run. Their backs are physical. Uh, uh, Jaden Ott is an absolute beast. That dude is a stud. He's fast. He breaks tackles like it's nothing. This is going to be a very, very interesting challenge for Auburn. Um, all of their passes are short. The only time they ever get a big pass off is on the play action coming from that momentum of building that run game really strong. So what you're going to be looking at is a lot of run. You're going to do a lot of, uh, of quick passes. So if you're Auburn, that big key is, is if you can get as much pressure in passing situations with four guys down and not having to use a fifth or sixth linebacker coming in, 
that's going to help out a lot. Absolutely. And, 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 and also important to note, like you said, Cal doesn't put the ball downfield often, fellas, uh, outside of the play action. So the big thing here and the big challenge for, for Hugh Freeze's staff and, and, and that Auburn defense is going to be, hey, can we make sure we're not on our heels and we don't get caught cheating up uh, as, uh, from, from those DBs? Because let's be honest here, fellas, I don't think there's a single person in this room that doesn't think that Auburn's DBs can absolutely manhandle Cal's receiving core. I, I, just, I, I think that that's not a problem. Yeah, It's a matter of can you play enough, you know, bump, <laughs> bump and run, right, um, and, and, and play physical with the line. You have to play a lot of man. Gonna have to play a ton of man this this mm-hmm. game because, in my opinion, if you move over to a zone, you're kind of shit shit out of luck. Um, you can't stack the box every play because then they'll get you go over the top. But in large, I think that the deep ball, those chunk plays, should should be limited. But that also, in turn, Dylan, I, I kind of want to pick your brain on this one. We haven't actually talked about this this week. That in turn, if, if Cal's gonna run the football and you're gonna play press coverage, and you really you're trying to avoid stacking that box, even though you're probably going to have to at times. That means Cal's going to eat the crap out of the clock, and your 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 offensive possessions are infinitely more important every time you touch the ball, right? I mean, this is going to be a game that might. This game is going to start at nine thirty, and it's probably going to end around ten thirty, just because both teams are going to be running the crap out of the ball, and that clock's not going to stop running. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that's pretty much the key to the game. Can Auburn continue to move the ball? Uh, we've said Jarquez Hunter is not the key factor to the Sovereign offense, but we have to make sure that Demari Austin is going to stay ready so we don't got to get ready kind of thing going on. But, I mean, if Auburn allows Cal and Jaden not to do what they want to do, it's not going to be a good look. It's not going to be a good look at all. And, I mean, I'm looking across Cal's defense. Outside of uh, Jackson Sermon, I'm not very impressed. I mean, North Texas had a 122-yard receiver against against the Cal defense uh, he four, on four catches and two touchdowns. So Cal's defense is very, very, very vulnerable through the air air attack. And I don't think North Texas has a great run game, but I'm pretty sure Auburn's going to be able to move the ball at will against Cal's defense. But it's all about can Auburn shut down the run game. We'll pivot over to the offensive scheme here in a second and get John to give us the rundown on that. Dude, doing a great job with these weekly uh, film studies, by the way, Mr. Conley. Certainly appreciate that. Um, Daniel said it yesterday, and, and I, I don't know that enough people caught it about how important it is that Jason Jones, Marcus Harris, those guys on the interior of the line have themselves a day that like, like not just a, Oh, like they played solid football. Like you're going to have to make plays like, like, like John, like you mentioned, got to, got to put pressure on the quarterback. But first and foremost, I mean, damn, you got to record a tackle for loss folks. There's got to be TFLs on, on, on the, on the score sheet to win this game. Um, you're going to have to get Cal behind the sticks, make them pass, make them pass further than the intermediate game. Make them have to try to spread themselves thin and then leave the game up to your DBs. In my opinion, fellas, if you leave the game up to the Auburn DBs, you know where I stand on that. You're in good shape. Uh, you, you should be fine. Rely on them, uh, truthfully. Uh, but you, you, you need a big game from those guys, your Jason Jones and Marcus Harris of the, of the world, though, specifically those two guys, uh, in order to limit this Cal run offense. Now, let's talk about the Cal defense, or in my opinion, John, the lack thereof, yeah. and, and how Auburn can be successful. And I'm, I'm, I'm open that up and get your thoughts. Yeah. So um, first, I want to make one last comment on their offense. Um, sure. Sam Jackson the fifth was their quarterback starting the game against North Texas. He left in their second drive uh, going into the second quarter with an upper body injury. 
All reports that I've seen say that he's good to go, which he's a smaller athlete than the guy that took over, Ben Finley. He played the majority of the game, and it wasn't perfect, but he got the job done. Obviously, they, they scored a lot of points there. But Sam Jackson is very similar to Tyson. He's just an absolute athlete. He's a smaller dude. He'll move around. He doesn't have the biggest arm, but it is pretty accurate. So, uh, again, just getting him kind of off off balance, um, out of his rhythm, uh, will also go a long way. Maybe force him to throw uh, deep to those uh, that secondary that you guys have uh, with you know Kendrick Falk and, and the other guys, and uh, you know allow them to make a play there. Uh, but with this defense. Guys, this defense, honestly, it suffers from a lot of the same struggles uh, that Auburn has. They don't get pressure from their front seven. They do not get pressure from their front seven, from their offensive lo- or from their defensive line. I, I have a, a look here. Uh, they had, I think, I believe, six tackles for losses, which is, I mean, that's impressive, but it's also happening with um, they're running the ball a lot in North Texas. They had two sacks the entire game. And when you are playing a, a at this point – not uh, uh, the same type of uh, level of, of opponents, you should be having a lot more pressure on them. And they were just not being able to get to that level, especially on the inside. So that's a big advantage for Auburn. You've got big boys up front. Uh, and that's that's kind of what I have a little note here. One of my keys uh, to this game is Auburn's just got to play big boy football. Um, their offensive linemen are bigger than their defensive, than Cal's defensive linemen. So you've just got to play big boy football. Uh, their corners are nothing crazy impressive. They had uh, three interceptions, which is great. Uh, one of them was a linebacker pick where quarterback was staring down the route the entire time. It was the linebacker was just was just hanging there. He was just hovering. He was waiting for it to happen, and it happened. So it took advantage of some mistakes. Uh, this Cal defense, it's it's it steps up. It made really good adjustments at halftime. Uh, at from the third and fourth quarter, they allowed nine yards. Nine total yards in the third and fourth quarter. So they know how to make adjustments. They know how to respond. It's just a matter of their defensive line has to take a step up if they want to try to stop the run game that Auburn has clearly established. And if you compare these offensive lines head-to-head, yeah, advantage Auburn, right? If you, if you were to put those in a hypothetical world, right? Yeah. yeah. Advantage uh, Auburn, certainly. Mm-hmm. And if you compare the, the, running, the state of the running back rooms, which is a hot topic on this show right now, um, it's Auburn no contest, right? In terms of being able to keep fresh legs. And and, and my, my question here is, in your opinion, first off, there's no doubt in my mind and, or anybody's mind it's going to be a run-first offense and it should be a run-first offense. But does Cal have the depth on the defensive front seven or, the, or your, your four down guys at the bare minimum to be able to rotate out and keep fresh legs when you've got a stable like this that can come at you with fresh legs pretty much every yeah. day? Yeah, um, that's that's a big concern with Cal. They're they're not the deepest. They have a lot of fifth and sixth year guys, uh, but they're mainly a part of their starting eleven. And so after that, then it's a lot of third and second year guys, which which can help and it can add to it. But the depth is not one hundred percent there. Um, I think that if you just keep you know your big guys going, Damari Alston, Sean Jackson, uh, even if Jeremiah Cobb, I don't know. If he's going to play, I don't know if they're going to try to keep his red oh, shirt. He's playing, ball. Just, he's playing ball this year. He's playing ball this year. Awesome. You feel good well, about then, that. Awesome. Good. Well, then Jeremiah Cobb, I mean, like just just keep rotating it out. Um, do we have a word on Jarquez Hunter? He's practicing this week. Okay. I don't I, – I, he might have practiced last week. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he didn't practice last week. He didn't practice we didn't, last week. We got confirmation. Okay. did not practice, certainly. Okay. I, I didn't – I didn't have – I didn't want to pretend like I knew that. Yeah. Um, but 
at the same time. He's he's practicing this week. Is he going to play on Saturday? I don't know. Uh, yeah. But if he can, um, you know. I mean, if he can, that just helps Auburn tremendously with this run game. But honestly, the running backs that you guys have, the stable that you have, it can be every every three plays you have a new running back in, get your back a chance to breathe, take a second. I mean, this team can just run right through them. Um, so, yeah, overall concerns, I, I think as the game goes on, you're going to see that Cal front seven starts to wear out and get more and more tired. And, and Dylan, I'm going to expand on that. I'm going to say something edgy on the show that you might have to post-production edit this out. Let's get thorny for a second here. And, and let's – Let's talk about Peyton Thorne for, for a second and, and about what he can do against this, this Cal defense. So we've seen what has now been coined as – you're not cutting that out of the show, by the way. Um, we've seen what has now been coined as, John, red zone – hashtag red zone Robbie. I, and, uh, and there's I have that the written on my notes. <laughs> good, good. Hashtag red zone Robbie. But I want to talk about Peyton Thorne for a second. And, and how important it is for him to have, and we talked about this on the Thursday show, once again, keep alluding to it. If you haven't listened to it, we have a much more in-depth positional on the Auburn side alone breakdowns. So go check that out. But I said that Peyton Thorne needs to play at least good football. I thought he played fine on Saturday against UMass. I, I thought he played fine and, and did everything that, that Auburn wanted him to do with a consolidated playbook and trying to, I think Auburn ran, I don't know what the exact number wound up being, but I've heard anywhere between six and like 10 offensive plays. Like I've seen different variations of like the same playbook, which is good. You want to keep it off the film. But I said yesterday, John, that Peyton Thorne needed to play not just average football. He needed to play above average football on Saturday. Um, and, and and I thought he did good with check downs. Thought he did a great job being elusive in the pocket. What does he bring to the table, in your opinion, against this Cal defense? And what really, I guess, weaknesses can he exploit that you think plays in Auburn's favor? So – uh, very similar to, to what Cal can do with Peyton Thorne, having a guy like Peyton Thorne, um, his decision-making, his accuracy, that can help out a lot whenever it's time to spread things out on maybe a play action or on a naked bootleg. Um, RPO. Or on an RPO. Like, find find ways to where he can get the ball out really quick, get those get those to his playmakers. Because, I mean, Auburn's got a, a, a receiving core that can match up very, very well against this Cal defensive back group. Um, they, they've got some some good guys that, listen, it, Peyton Thorne can just get it from A to B. It doesn't have to be some 30, 40-yard pass. If it's a seven-yard slant, if it's a five-yard curl, just something like that, you can let your other guys do the rest. For Peyton Thorne, it's just a matter of if the offensive, if the running backs are moving and we're getting the ball going and all of a sudden you're going to try to air it out, take a shot, get the ball going through something else on a play action, play mistake-free football. It's as simple as that for me. If Peyton Thorne, he doesn't have to be, you know, uh, 20 for 21 with, you know, 220 yards and three touchdowns. If he's just seven for nine with no picks, that's all he needs to do. That's all he needs to be for this kind of type of game. Just play mistake-free football, use your accuracy as an advantage, and take advantage of the fact that this team's going to load up front because you've got to try to stop the run game that Auburn's going to bring. To kind of expand on that, Dylan, I know you're about to talk about Red Zone Robbie. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to, I'm going to let you talk about uh, talk to John about a two-quarterback scheme. I'm going to give it to you. But a couple things worth noting. Don't know the status of Nick Martiner. Dylan, I've not gotten an update on, on Nick Martiner's status of you. Uh, he did practice on Wednesday. I know. Okay. Beyond that, we've not heard anything new, right? No, no, we don't we don't know. Well, we don't know if anybody that didn't That's, play Saturday is playing, playing tomorrow. Right, but right. they were practicing. They were in pads. Right. 
John, for some context, Nick Martin, six foot five wide receiver transfer out of Cincinnati. Big frame, big target. Yeah. Um, and, and moves quicker than most dudes of that frame. Seriously. Um, yeah. That kind of, if, if you think about the possibility of having him back now, first off, I'm going to put the words in John Conley's mouth. He said five yard curls, five yard slants. Um, what he's saying is get the ball to Shane Hooks and get the hell out of the way. I'm um, just saying. And he's right. You're right. Absolutely. I'm just putting those words in your mouth. Yeah. Um, but if you get a guy like Nick Martin back and you get Rivaldo Fairweather involved, you get this, this tight end room involved. Just you run first, but if you can open up the open up the pass, I think Auburn could really find themselves in control of this ball game on, from an offensive perspective. Now, for the defense hold, who knows? Every every single possession is going to matter, um, and we're going to learn a lot. But I just kind of wanted to expand on that. There may be some shiny new toys that uh, Peyton Thorne gets to throw at on Saturday, and and Rivaldo Fairweather not being one of those, he was involved uh, last week, just didn't receive a pass. But very interested to see how Hugh Freeze uses tight ends especially when you're talking about those mid-range, you know, four or five-yard dump offs. Mm-hmm. About how if you want to run that RPO and see if you've got a guy downfield, okay, I don't check down to Rivaldo Fairweather. Here we are. Check down to Luke Deal. Check down to the best from brother known to man, Tyler Fromm. Um, <laughs> that one did, and John Conley's backyard, actually. Yep. But um, just, just some interesting food for thought there. Dylan, I know you want to ask him about the two-quarterback system, and now the keys are yours, by the way. Oh, you do say two quarterbacks, and that means Robbie Ashford will be seeing the field in Berkeley, California, which means he's going to start his second week of his 2023 and 2024 Heisman campaign, uh, currently leading Auburn in rushing touchdowns uh, with three. Uh, you can get away with saying that I could never get away with saying. See, as the president of the Robbie Ashford Truther fan club, I get away with more things than you. Uh, and that's just the perks of... I'm starting the of, Auburn uh, back room fan club then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but so the, the key to this game, I, I talked about yesterday, I talked on yesterday's show, talking about how Peyton Thorne is going to be a key factor to this game. Robbie Ashford's legs are also going to be a very key factor to this game as well. Sure. Because... As great uh, as the running back room is, uh, from Jarquez all the way to Sean Jackson, Robbie Ashford might be the fastest like rusher on the team, per se. Uh, I, I don't think there's very many people on this team. Maybe Brian Batee and Jeremiah Cobb could probably give him a run for his money, but Robbie Ashford is ridiculously fast, and I think he's going to give this Cal defense a lot of trouble. So, John, it's, what, you, what have you seen from this Cal defense that should probably make them a little worried about Robbie Ashford's ability? Well, part of adding Robbie Ashford, especially in the red zone, you know, we talk about red zone Robbie, anything from about seven yards in. <laughs> I love that graphic. Uh, a- adding adding Robbie Ashford to this team just adds another dimension of something that you have to look out for if you're one of Cal's linebackers or safeties. And his ability to stretch the field is something that's going to be utilized a lot. If I were to guess, whenever you see Robbie Ashford in the red zone, it's going to be from, uh, yeah, I can think, eight yards max and less anything from eight yards within to the goal line. And it's going to be a second down or, or first down something where at the very least third down, you have something written up where you can have, you can let Peyton control it. Uh, you can let your running backs control it, let your wide receivers, your tight ends. But uh, Robbie Ashford is going to be utilized a lot in this game, guys. And he's going to be utilized once you get within that red zone mark. And at any point where it's a short yarded situation, where he can roll out, he can run, he can do a little dump off if the linebacker sinks. Um, those are going to be times where you're going to be able to use his athleticism. And just at that point, you're out coaching and you're out scheming uh, Cal's defensive coordinators at that point. I think that this Auburn coaching staff is capable of that for sure. 
truthfully. <laughs> just, just, just my humble opinion. All right, Dylan, it's time for the question of the week. All right, John Conley, give us your score prediction. Auburn at Cal, nine thirty Central Time. <laughs> this is uh, this is going to be a very this is going to be a closer game than I think Auburn fans want. It's going to be a closer game than I think Cal fans are going to expect. Uh, I have I have two final scores written. It just depends on on how much these guys run the clock out. Uh, I my my keynote here was if you're Auburn, your biggest key to win here is take the game clock, take all four quarters, take 15 minutes of each quarter, pour some gasoline and some lighter fluid on it, and set that thing on fire. Burn as much clock as you possibly can in this game. If you have four drives the whole game, but they are 12 plus minutes long and they all result in touchdowns, you're gonna win the football game. Um, my final score that I have right here is 20. What? It's pretty hard to lose if you do that. Yeah. Uh, my final score for this game is uh, 28 to 20. Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. Auburn. Okay. I'll give mine out. Um, I like 34-27 Auburn, um, and, and I like it as a who has the ball last. Um, I, Folks, I, I'm going to be transparent. Auburn's a better football team, in my opinion. Um, and I, I don't know that it's particularly all that close, but you're going to see Auburn open up this playbook on Saturday. And, and I've already talked about my concerns and the concerns of the Auburn faithful about the defensive front seven, so I'm not even going to look at that right now. But when you open up a playbook, you open up room for more mistakes. It, it, it's just part of the game of football, and that's that's normal. It's just like when you get more responsibilities at a job, you, you have more opportunities to mess up. Right? And you also have more opportunities to be very successful, and, and I, I think that plays just as well uh, in this in this analogy. I like Auburn to win on a late touchdown. I, I really I do think it's I think it's close. Um, coming down the stretch, I really do. Not because I think Cal's that good of a football team. And not because I think Auburn's going to make that many mistakes. But there's still a lot of pieces that we don't know about. Um, we don't know how the red zone Robbie thing works when you put it up against a, a real a real opponent. Um, a, a, a P5 opponent, if you will. We don't know how Peyton Thorne's going to respond when he's got a defensive line that's actually trying to breathe down his neck. We'll find out for real when they go to College Station. We don't know... If 27 is going to play, I don't think it really matters. But I don't know if Jark, we don't, we don't know if Jark is going to play. We don't know who's available in terms of is Nick Martin going to be able to play? What's the scheme look like for tight ends, like we mentioned earlier? There's a lot of factors that just lead me to not be able to confidently say Auburn by, you know, double digits. I've seen people, I mean, I think it's, it's Mike G's really riding the, this, this wagon big time, right? Like, it, I think I saw him with something very high, Auburn, like, a lot. Um, a lot to a little is my professional guess of what Mike G project, projected this game. But I'm going to go, I think, 34-27 is where I'm at. The orange and blue colored glasses are on for Dylan, so get ready for some sunshine pumping. Um, Mr. Lark, the floor is yours. Your score prediction for Auburn at Cal on the damn Pac-12 network. Uh, it's on the it's on ESPN. ESPN, we, sorry. What's, that? What's that. the Pac-12 game this year that really screwed us? Uh, I can't remember. It's gonna be Auburn, uh, uh, it's gonna be Auburn, um, or it was last year. It was Auburn USC basketball. That was what screwed us. Oh yeah, part. yep. That that sucked, by the way. I illegally. Yes, that. yes, it did. Uh, but so I I've been going back and forth in this game. Uh, the linebackers hold a lot of uh, uh, have a lot of dirty laundry that's been airing out. Uh, just because they're so stretched thin that they're just we just I just convinced myself they're just very very bad. But I think if this defense and if Larry Nixon can do what he was brought in here to do, which is plug the gaps that he was made to do, I think Auburn can make it very hard for Cal to move the ball. I'm going to give Auburn a 
I'm going to give it a 38 to 20 win. Uh, and that's going to incorporate uh, maybe two to three touchdowns from red zone Robbie himself. I think he's going to be the key factor and the X factor to this win, uh, adding on to his points total for the year. So I'm going to give Auburn the 35, 38-20, uh, just to throw in Alex McPherson in there a little bit as well. You know, I do think that, that Robbie Ashford has has a couple touchdowns. He has at least one on Saturday. And truthfully, I mean, without the orange and blue glasses on, I I, I do think he's got to have at least one, possibly two. The dude could wind up leading the team in touchdowns like that. That could happen. I would not be shocked. All right. Eisman campaign. Okay, whatever. Anyways, John, thank you for your tremendous breakdown and being able to kind of us put you on the spot for film. I mean, that's big time. You, you folks, make sure you go and love and support John. Let's step outside the loop for a second. Before we do, Tar, how are you feeling today, man? Little bit loopy. How are you, John? You feel a little loopy? Yeah, some people call it sleep deprivation, but I <laughs> am feeling a little loopy. Well, if you want to go to sleep and you want a comfy shirt to do it, you should go to thewarreport.com and get your own feeling loopy shirt. Again, this shirt is so comfortable. Comes in five colors. You got navy, heather navy, uh, gray, heather gray, black, and heather black, I believe, or just black, I believe. Uh, but this shirt is so comfy. It's awesome. We all love it. We all got one. They're beautiful. My girlfriend's got one. She always wears it. Uh, we basically are always washing it because that shirt is just so comfy. So go to warpoor.com or click the link in the description below. It's only $25. Just saying, I'm getting lunch with AU Barn Trooper tomorrow afternoon. We're both going to be wearing our Feel and Loopy shirts. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. That's like, and, and we're going to be out here in DC repping the Feel and Loopy shirt. Just saying. <laughs> hey, let Tubbs know. Tell Tom to get one. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go tell Tommy Tuberville. To, to, I'll, I'll bring him a shirt. I'll just give him the one off my back. You know, I, I can yeah, yeah. Sure. Just we'll, we'll make, it make it happen. All right, now it's time for outside the loop. I did such a good job on that. By the way, I just toot my own horn for a little bit. But yes, it is time for Outside the Loop, where we're going to do our little game day segment, where we're going to predict 10 other games outside the Auburn game. And I've only accounted uh, those in our records. Tar, me and you currently stand at four and six, both. Oh, that's good. We're really good at this. Yeah, because we split. I set South Alabama over Tulane. And then you said, I believe, uh, uh, Boston College over NIU. So we ended up splitting four and six. But you know who did not split with us? Johnny Deppin, who John, you're gonna have a lot to catch up on because Johnny has gone went seven and three in last week's games, only getting Duke, Duke, Florida State, and I believe he said, "Where's the other one?" He said, uh, "My brain just went blank." Oh, he had, I believe, Fresno you know, State. That's how we got right that we got wrong. But yeah, John, you got a you got you got a lot to do to catch up because I mean you got a nice little error zone of like three. Yeah. Hey, so just Johnny, Johnny, unlike us, he's bowl eligible. We're not bowl eligible. So oh uh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Can't say the same for UMass, though. That's <laughs> right. <the> season. <laughs> but to start off, we're gonna start off with the eleven AM kick. Uh North uh North. Uh number 10, Notre Dame as they travel to North Carolina. Take on the NC State Wolfpack. Notre Dame is currently a seven and a half point favorite in this game. And John, I'll let you take it away with this one. 
Um, I mean, I, listen, I think it's going to be absolutely rocking in Raleigh, North Carolina, but uh, Sam Hartman has been on absolute tear to start this year. He's been really, really good. Uh, this Notre Dame, this Notre Dame team is is they're playing and, and they're coming to play. I think that they have an opportunity. It, it's going to be difficult. They have a, a pretty interesting schedule this year, uh, but I think they can knock on the door to to go to the playoffs this year. Uh, I'm going to take Notre Dame pretty handedly in this one. Tar, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I I'm just going to echo the the Sam Hartman comment, but Marcus Freeman, dog, absolute dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 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 drinking all the Marcus Freeman Kool Aid. Um, and I got, like you said, I got Notre Dame by three tutties in this game. Um, this could be close and wacky in the first half. Notre Dame gets out of there with a statement win. In Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep rocking with the Notre Dame train here. I do think that maybe I, I think, uh, not three touchdowns, but I'll probably go like 10, 10, 13 point win for Notre Dame. Cause it's the first like real opponent they're going to be playing, uh, outside yeah. of, you know, Navy or whatever, for what they're worth. As so know, am I learning that Notre Dame's like a little bit likable when Brian Kelly's not their head coach? Yeah, like, that's a weird thing that I realized when I was watching Navy. I was like, <laughs> why am I not like really wanting Navy to win? Yeah, like I like I've, Sam Hartman and Marcus Freeman make that team so likable. Like yeah. maybe maybe it's that I'm dating a Catholic. Maybe I'm just becoming a little bit of a Notre Dame enjoyer. I'm not sure. <laughs> I still will not rep their merch. I have the hat over there that I've yet to have worn because I I just can't bring myself to do it. Yeah, but yeah, that's Notre Dame. Those lids are sweet. Their helmets are so sweet. I mean, so, uh, yeah. if you're watching, if you're listening, it's going to be bad for you. But I mean, I got my nice little trucker hat for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I just think the Notre Dame helmets are dope. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the but the the Yankee uniforms are the worst uniforms in college football history. Very nice. Correct. All right, now to follow up on another hype train that's going on, Nebraska travels to Boulder to play the Colorado Buffaloes led by Deion Sanders and Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter in a game where, let me see if I pull up the thing. Uh, Colorado is currently a three point favorite as they play the Matt rule led Nebraska Cornhuskers and a, a game that tickets are going for as low as drum roll, please $400. <laughs> that tracks. So who wants to take, who wants to take this up? I'll give it to you, John. I'll let you lead us off again. I, uh, I'm trying so hard to not drink the Kool-Aid that is Coach Prime and, and this Colorado team, but uh, it, it's it's in Boulder. This place is going to be – I mean, this is going to be the the craziest atmosphere this university's probably ever seen. Um, it, it's going to be absolutely wild. Nebraska is, is returning a, a decent team. Uh, it was, you know, uh, kind of heartbreaking the way they lost to Minnesota – but I I think that there's gonna be uh, there's gonna be something going on in Colorado. I think they're gonna start off two and zero, and all of a sudden people are gonna start having actual conversations about them. And then you know we'll see in a few weeks whenever they get humbled uh, by Oregon and by uh, by USC. I would just say Oregon. Mm-hmm. USC I don't no, know about yet. No, yeah. USC is gonna thump Colorado. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm I'm going with the Buffaloes for this one. This one hurts me. Uh, I've gone back and forth, and like my brain's in physical pain. Um, the deciding factor for me here is that Matt Rule won't take the ball out of Jeff Sims' hands. Um, Jeff Sims is a phenomenal athlete who was not developed at Georgia Institute of Technology. It's, it's that simple. He was just not developed properly, and it's too late in the game now for him. Um, silly mental mistakes. I mean, they had that game won against Minnesota. They had won that ball game for all intents and purposes. And then Jeff Sims do, did what Jeff Sims has kind of become known to do 
and and throws a silly pick and into double coverage, mind you, like kind of like two and a half, almost triple coverage. I can't say quite triple, but close. Um, it's just kind of like whatever. Okay, like the Eli Epit Odell's down there somewhere. Um, I'm taking Colorado, but I do want people to know Colorado does not deserve to be in the top 25. It, it, it is a matter of fact. This team is just not good, and I don't. I'm not picking Colorado because I think that they're a good team. I'm picking Colorado because I think Nebraska's still in shambles. And if you give give the ball to anyone not named Jeff Sims, I'd probably take Nebraska. Just just to be honest with you, if Jeff Sims gets benched, edge and in, in, in advantage Nebraska. I'm not buying into Colorado. I, I will not pick them again this year, but I will take them in this one, especially like John said, that place. <laughs> Well, I do believe Colorado is one of those very uh, volatile teams. You either are like this team is going uh, eight and four, and or they're going to make it to the Pac-12 championship. Or you're like this team is still the same team was projected to win three games this season. They're just probably going to overachieve and win four, four. Uh, but I do think they're going to probably start off the season three and zero, uh, beating Nebraska this week and beating Colorado State, and then they get into the the meat and potatoes that packed off schedule. I think they might win one or two games. They probably shouldn't. And after that, and then, I mean, this is still, I, I think Dion's going in the right direction, I, but I do think Shadur and Travis Hunter are going to have a nice little field day against Nebraska. Definitely in the right direction. This team still reeks. Like don't, yeah. don't the, they're the Jimmy's and the Joe's like, they're just not there. The X's and O's are there for sure. And the yeah. Colts right, this, for sure. This is a whole new team. This is like a, a high school team that graduated like, 30, 30 seniors and then brought in a bunch of freshmen and you're like, ah, we don't know how these guys are going to mesh yet. That's what happens whenever you kick out half the roster from last year and then bring in a bunch of other transfers and that's that's what you're going to get. So it's going to take a year for, for Deion Sanders, but I do think they're going to start the season 2-0. and They're also not the TCU of yesteryear, if we continue. Uh, they are not. TCU's not in the TCU of yesteryear. They wish they were. <laughs> but to go, now we got an SEC game, uh, a top 25 matchup as the Ole Miss Rebels travel to new orleans to take on the tulane green wave and if you know me well enough you know who i might be taking in this game <laughs> yeah go ahead and start it go ahead and say tulane give me the green wave uh you're playing in new orleans you're playing in their home i think the tulane green wave are going to get a signature win that they uh well they technically they got last week beating south alabama kicking kicking them back out of the top 25 like uh discussion I do think that this is going to show the vulnerability of Ole Miss. That's a good pick, Dylan. Um, not so fast, my friend. Uh, you've, got, you've, got, you've got the pen. I, we're, we're, I don't have a pen on my desk, but not so fast, my friend. <laughs> um, Ole Miss is winning this ballgame, folks. They're winning this ballgame by multiple scores. Uh, they, they look better than I thought they were going to look. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, slow your roll. They played Mercer. It, it doesn't really mattered. Their offense for a consolidated offense. Also, Jackson Dart looked good, by the way. In my, in my opinion. If he really has progressed the way we think he has. Michael Pratt is a dude. Don't get me wrong. He's a dude. He's a dog. But I, I like Ole Miss to win this game. They've got to get take advantage of their non-cons um, because the SEC West is a grind. Um, the SEC in general is a grind. And, and they will. Because if Ole Miss thinks they're for real, especially after seeing how vulnerable LSU is now, We've learned some stuff, and the West is a little more open, I think, than we initially thought. Go Noles. Yeah, two of my conference champions are already open. So. <laughs> John. <laughs> um, 
I want to pick Willie Fritz, uh, former Georgia Southern head coach. Um, I want to pick real, Willie Fritz so bad and this Tulane team, but uh, Harrison kind of knocked on all the points that I I've thought about with this this Ole Miss team. Um, Jackson Darts improved a lot, and he played really well. And yes, it was Mercer, but he he shows poise in the pocket. Um, he delivered really good throws. And yeah, if you're if you're Lane, if you're Kiffin, you've got to to come out of yeah this non-con little stretch before you go into Tuscaloosa, um, just with three zero. Because uh, then that helps you, and if you know at the very least, if you lose to uh, to Alabama, but then you could potentially go the rest of the way. I mean, then you look at there could be one other game later on the season that could decide whether or not you represent the West in the SEC. Right. Uh, so I, I'm I'm gonna go with Tulane. Or I'm gonna go with Ole Miss. I think uh, I think Kiffin is gonna have these boys absolutely prepared for this game. He's gonna he's gonna take every single game seriously, and he's gonna think that every single game is a must win because in the West. It is. I mean, to, to your point, Willie Fritz was also a Georgia Tech head coach for like, what, four hours? Uh, but Ole Miss is a seven-point favorite, and I, I do think this is the same team that uh, that did beat USC last year. So okay. roll roll wave. I don't think USC and Ole Miss correlate as nicely as you think they do. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of us had USC in the, in the college ball playoff. Line. So <laughs> yeah, take that as you. Yeah, but their path's easier. We're not going there. Their path is way easier. Way easier. All right. Than now easier. to go to, I say now to go to another game that I have some very strong feelings against one of the teams. Uh the Texas AM Aggies travel to Miami, Florida to take on the Miami Hurricanes in a game where AM is a currently a four point favorite. Both teams have coaches that are that are kind of on the fence with some Chris with ball's not on the hot seat. Not at He's all. on the hot seat. He's on the hot seat, but there are some whispers around other fan bases. He's on the watch list. He's on the watch list. But Jimbo Fisher, this this could be the start of something great for everybody else to watch. I want to start with this one, and then I'm gonna, I'm not going to take very long. I'm taking. I'm, I'm actually going to take uh, Texas A&M this game. Um, I I don't think Miami's that good, um, and I don't think A&M is either. But my favorite storyline in this game is not on the field. My favorite storyline is Miami advertising. If you buy a ticket to this game, you get the ticket to the Miami-Georgia Tech game free. That is hilarious. Just give them a stadium, please. It's No, dude, this is the funniest thing I've seen in a while. That was awesome. <laughs> it's um, hilarious, yes. Seeing them in, like, the ugliest way possible and the most Jimbo Fisher way possible. Like, no one deserves to win this game. Like, I, give me the – what's the ugliest? Like, 13 to 11. 13 to 11. Yeah, yeah that, that's pretty gross. Yeah. Go ahead, John. Um yeah, this is I mean, if if you're if you're looking for a tough game to watch with two, I mean, just right down the middle of the barrel and even below that a little bit teams, it's it's this game. Uh honestly, the fact that AM is twenty three is kind of crazy to me. It's nuts. Um, in the polls. I oh, gosh. I'm looking at it now. I, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with the Aggies. Um, I, I'm the same thing as you. Miami's just not a great team. They're just not. Uh, I think uh, that they're going to take advantage of a, of a very, very generous uh, early non-con other than A&M. They've got uh, Bethune-Cookman. So they're going to take care of a, a – take advantage of a good non-con and Temple, and they could start off 3-1. and one. They're not going to play like most other 3-1 and one teams right. in the ACC, let alone the rest of college football. So give me the Aggies. 
Um, and, and yeah, and what's going to be just a very weird, lethargic. The the game's going to be so much worse in the final than the, what the final score shows. Beautifully ugly. All right, uh, Dylan, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I I listened to all everything y'all just said, and I'm going to counter it with uh, this is not a A&M team built for big stages. And yes, this stadium is probably going to be empty uh, unless unless Miami fans really want to go to the Georgia Tech game uh, for free. I think Miami is going to take out take this game in the in an ugly way possible. I think it's going to be a very defensive matchup. I think we're looking at a thirteen to ten win for the Hurricanes and the downfall of the Jimbo Fisher era. Give me a damn three to two game. Let's do it. I, I've never won a one more. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm I'm all about it. Yeah. Um, Miami loses this game, by the way. Jimbo Fisher might not make it past one game in the SEC. Like, I mean. Like he is, like he is, dare I say, Brian Harson esque dead man walking. I know week one's all for like overreacting and stuff. Uh, We tend to do it sometimes. I haven't really done it that much, uh, but other fans tend to do it a lot. I don't understand the whole A and M's back after beating North Texas. I don't get that. Well, but other than the fact that Auburn's back after beating UMass, yeah, I get it. I mean, Auburn is back. I just don't think A and M's back. I do think UMass uh, was was leading the independent conference until they stepped in the Georgia Stadium. I think that's the statement win. But no, New true. Mexico, I just I just don't get. They didn't have a win on their schedule yet. That's right. That's right. I get it. <laughs> now to go into a game that's got some some kind of implications. <laughs> the Texas State Bobcats travel to the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, to take on the UTSA Roadrunners. Meet me. Uh, in a game where UTSA is a 14-point favorite, but the storyline of this game is can TJ Finley – I can't even finish that statement. TJ Finley had a good game last week, which is weird. And can he can he keep it up? Here's something crazy, folks. TJ Finley played great football last week. Like, he played great football. Against the P5 school on the road um, with, like, G5 – guys around him um maybe he feels at home i don't know maybe that's it uh i like UCSA to win this game by 14 plus i, I it's that simple they're, they're they are still very talented yeah john i hate agreeing with tar on everything because i feel like we've got to have some sort of separation here i'm hoping we do later on in this segment but yeah I, i'm not drinking any kool-aid on the bobcats uh texas state has still always just kind of been middle to bottom of the barrel in the Sun Belt. Um, and Baylor is not what they used to be. Uh, TJ Finley had a fantastic game. That is true. Uh, it's 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 awesome that he had that game. But give me the Roadrunners, dude. Yeah. Meep meep. Frank Harris is gonna have a field day. Okay, great. Yeah, great. One hundred percent. We we went around the circle with UTSA. Just sidebar thought. Drop this in the comments, guys. Do you think that Dave Miranda is okay? Do you think he's okay? I think he's going to be a great defensive analyst for the Alabama Tigers next year. <laughs> he's going to be a fantastic <laughs> defensive analyst at Alabama next year. I, I do. Th- I still think Dave Aranda is a good coach. Uh, for I just think Baylor as a as a team is just going to be down this year. I, I think I think Dave Aranda's safe from Dave Aranda looked mentally ill, like unwell, like he was battling some demons. <laughs> if if TJ Finley threw for almost three hundred yards and three touchdowns against you and no interceptions whatsoever. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure you would want to like yeah. jump off the nearest bridge as yeah. well. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, John. I, John, I picked this game specifically for you. Uh, we got the UAB Blazers traveling to Statesboro, Georgia, to take on the Georgia Southern Eagles. Georgia Southern is currently a seven and a half point favorite. And Dylan opens this one up. I'm gonna rock with my hometown team, as in home state. I'm gonna rock with the UAB Blazers here. I think they are a powerhouse in the GO5, and I'm gonna keep rocking my Blazers. All right, John. Well, that's a great pick, but uh, it's not the right pick. Um, I'm gonna go <laughs> with the boys in Paulson Stadium. That place is gonna be rocking. Um, the the student uh, uh, population, from what I've been seeing, they're ready. They're ready to rock this game out. It was an ugly loss to them last year. Uh, we could not get anything really rolling offensively against the Blazers in in Birmingham. Um, but that's gonna change here with with Clay Helton with Davis Brin. I, I am all for it. I think this is going to be a statement win against Trent Dilfer's squad. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to scream Hail Southern for the whole rest of the uh, Saturday. So that makes me the deciding factor. So this is super, super fun. This is why I wanted to go last. Um, so I really I, – I, Trent Dilfer's a fantastic coach, by the way. Um, great hire for UAP. And, and that squad's going to have a fantastic season. Um, Southern's a six – you said six-and-a-half point favorite? Seven-and-a-half. Seven-and-a-half point favorite. Wow. That's uh, and, this and, is, and and hold on, let me FPI, uh, UAB is a fifty-one point one percent chance to win. Okay, this game is This game is gonna rock. Um, it's gonna be a really really close game, and this one's in Paulson, right? That's right, Statesboro. Right. That's, that's what you just said, Jonathan. Yeah, close game down in Statesboro, Georgia, and and it's really tough for me to pick, but you know what? I lied. It's not going to be a close game because the Georgia Southern Eagles are going to come in and beat the ever-living shit out of the UAB Blazers. That's right, baby. That's right, baby. Hail Southern. I know this is an Auburn. Hey, he's got to rock in with a true spread offense. They're not running the triple option anymore. Nope. RIP the option down in Statesboro, Georgia. Hail Southern and no place else. That's right, baby. That's right. Uh, well, y'all are just going to hold each other's hands all the way through this prediction segment, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I, I think y'all are. Uh, so going into another game with some Auburn implications, as the UCF Golden Knights travel up to Idaho to take on the Boise State Broncos, uh, UCF is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I have the hats of one of these teams, and I would not be putting it on because I'm going to be rocking with Gus Malzahn in this one with the UCF Golden Knights. John, go ahead. So what do we have a name for this bowl? You know, uh, uh, Malzahn and Harson here. Uh, uh, the Auburn Payroll Bowl. Yes, <laughs> that's good. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I mean, this is gonna be this is actually gonna be a, a very very fun game. I think uh, Malzahn and and the boys down uh, in Orlando are have that team buzzing, but there's something about that blue turf. There's something about that blue field. And uh, you know what? I'm going to go with the Broncos on this one. Oh. Yeah, Dylan's a little shocked by that um, <laughs> because – Got to change things up. Here's the reality of things here, John. Um, if you did this for us to be different, I appreciate you. Um, I get that because, yeah, sometimes you got to bite the bullet and let only one person can be perfect, and I guess it's just got to be. Um, the UCF Knights are rolling. The UCF Knights are contenders in the Big 12, by the way. By the way, I'm serious. They are not pretenders. They are one of the better teams in the Big 12 this year. I'm, I'm being so serious right now. They're going to beat some teams that shouldn't. 
They're also going to go into Boise and actually thump Boise State. Boise State's not back. They haven't been back for a half decade. They, they weren't back when Auburn hired Brian Harson. Let's just be honest. Let's just be so serious with each other right now. I fully expect Gus Malzahn to go up there and Gus Malzahn it up so it winds up being like a 12-point game because they took their foot off the gas in the third quarter. But I do think that UCF could get this game under control if they just let John Rice Plumley cook. Now, if Gus Malzahn doesn't want to last week, great. Which he has been known to do, not that we would know from personal experience, but if we hypothetically were talking about an an LSU game in 2017, I could pinpoint a great example. (laughs) That being said, give me the UCF Nets. So y'all finally went off the beaten path with each other. So that's nice. Uh, (laughs) Now for our next game, the Battle of the W's, but someone's going to come out with the L. You got a number 19 Wisconsin Badgers traveling up to Pullman, Washington to take on the Washington State Cougars. What an ugly game. Um, Wisconsin's a six-point favorite. Yeah, Wisconsin versus the Badgers versus the Cougars. All right, all-time mascot matchup. All right, I'll get it. Um, I'm going to field this one first. Wisco, Luke Fickle, and the boys. I mean, come on now. What, what am I supposed to do? Take Washington State? I mean, the, the true air rate's not 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 there anymore, folks. Sorry. Um, it doesn't work as well without the pirate at the helm. It's just a fact. Um, rest his soul, rest in paradise, King. Mm-hmm. Give me Wisconsin. Give me Wisconsin by 10. Yeah. Yeah, no. RIP to the pirate. Um, Luke Fickle it is, is, I think, a really, really good option. Was a great hire for Wisconsin. Um, I really liked it. I liked it for him. I liked it for that program. They're going to make a, some noise in the Big Ten. Uh, not a ton, but they're going to make some for sure. Uh, I really wanted to, to pick Washington State here, but I can't, I can't not go with Wisconsin. Um, Washington State, though, one of uh, only two members in the Pac-2 come next season. The Tupac. <laughs> yep. the, the future of the, <laughs> of the Mountain West Conference uh, sits in Pullman, Washington. Uh, I've been going back and forth on this game, and as much as I've just been thinking about it, Wisconsin runs the ball very well. Washington State still finds a way to pass the ball very well. This game might end up being a high-scoring game, over under 58 points. I would be tempted to take the over on that because I feel like this is going to be like a a 30-something, 30-something game. And somehow and I, the possession is still going to be like 70-30 in, in Wisconsin's favor. <laughs> yeah, because they're just going to run the ball so much. I mean, looking at last game against Buffalo, they won 30-17, and it was not because of Tanner Mordecai. It was because they ran the ball so well. And then Wazoo went out and threw the ball all over Colorado State. I think it's going to be Wisconsin, but I, I might rock with that that line. I might go Wisconsin by six. Okay. I think it's going to be down to the wire. Now, for the game of the week, we got the Vanderbilt Commodores traveling up to Winston-Salem, North Carolina to take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Both teams undefeated. National championship implications. Vanderbilt is currently 2-0. And in charge of the SEC East. So, who we got? Wake, Wake Forest, Forest, the 10-point favorite. Wake Forest, not close. <laughs> Vanderbilt still reeks. Yeah, give me, give me, give me Wake Forest. <laughs> <laughs> I, wa- I wanted so bad to pick a, a, a half-stadium uh, Vanderbilt squad. But, uh, Vanderbilt hashtag still not built. Yeah, but we're going to roll with uh, – we're going to go roll with the uh, Demon Deacons here. Not so fast, my friends, because it is time to anchor down Don't because this is going to be the statement win for the Vanderbilt Commodores 
I don't think Wake Forest is back. I think they aren't as good as uh, people I think they are. They struggled a little bit against Elon last week. Not the Musk, the the school. <laughs> so I'm going to rock with the Commodores here. And Clark Lee starts off the season 3-0 and before he gets uh, – I believe not SEC conference play quite yet, but they're getting close to it. Dylan, you're not driving anywhere tonight, right? We don't condone drinking and driving on the college. <laughs> I just think the Commodores – uh, they're they're not a great team, but they're competitive. I'd like to see the percent chance your team has of Dylan picking you if he has your hat. Uh, I did not pick Boise State, so currently <laughs> Listen, I don't have anything's possible, man. There's got to be a formula somewhere, John. Yeah. <laughs> uh, believe me, it is that is not how I pick my team. I did not think about grabbing my Vanderbilt hat until afterwards. I wrote down Vanderbilt yesterday. Yeah. Now. For the to, to not be, for not to be sarcastic about this one, the actual game of the week, as the Texas Longhorns, number eleven team in the country, traveled to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to take on the seven-point favored number three team in the country for whatever reason, other than the fact that they just have a name, the Alabama Crimson Tide, for a statement game for both teams going into the season. Since you let in with that loving uh, reference to the other team in the state of Alabama. Why don't you go ahead and start us off here, Dylan? So I don't like either one of these fan bases. I've gone on a record in saying I flat out just strongly dislike them. Uh, and some other words that could be used for strongly dislike. Also uh, I'm, yeah. I'm a big component of the, of the horns down. Uh, I do it a lot. I had a series where I did a daily horns down on my Snapchat story. Uh, and Bama just, I just don't think they're as good as people are giving them credit for. This game is tough for me. Uh, I don't think Sark is like great of a coach, but I think he's made a pretty decent team around his quarterback uh, and Quinn Ewers. Uh, this Bama team does not, uh, scare me like teams of yesteryear do. This wide receiver core is just not good. Uh, Jalen Milrow, I think he's a good athlete. I don't think he's a great quarterback. Uh, and Bama fans should probably keep uh, keep a leash on uh, the fact that he's not winning the Heisman Trophy. It's it's uh, it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be close. Bama is currently favored by seven again. Uh, I'm actually going to say Texas is going to get revenge. Okay. In Brian Denny Stadium. Okay, John, your thoughts. Um. Listen, everyone I think is going to talk about their game against Arkansas last year where it was like, oh, that's their welcome to the SEC game. That was not their welcome to the SEC game. This is their welcome to the SEC game because here's the thing is whenever you play Alabama, that's the standard. That's what you need to get to. As a team, as a a conference, we've seen it for the past 10-plus years. That's the standard. You have to get there before you are considered – you know, and anything in the SEC. And we've seen Auburn's had it for a few years. Georgia's kind of holding that scepter right now. But for Texas, your welcome to the SEC moment is right here in Tuscaloosa. That crowd's going to be crazy. It's going to be a, a very, very fun atmosphere. And, you know, I, I, I like Sark a lot too. But uh, but this, to me, has an Alabama statement win all over it for me. This is, a, this is the true welcome to the SEC game for Texas. And now they know if we want to be the best, we have to get to this level in the West. You, you, you need to drop some of that up. Uh, there's a lot of things going for Texas here, folks. I'm, I'm going I'm to just throw some people off. All right. Quinn Ewers needs a statement win. Steve Sarkeesian certainly, Sark certainly needs a statement win. 
Texas, like you mentioned, kind of building off your point about welcome to the SEC, you're coming into Bryant-Denny Stadium. And, and, and if you're going to play lights out, people are going to take notice. This is the opportunity that, that Texas really needs coming into the SEC. And they need to capitalize on it. The University of Alabama is winning this game by 20 points. It's, it's not close. Texas is not in the same echelon as Alabama. Texas might not win their conference right now, the one that they're currently in. They're sure as hell not going to win the SEC for the foreseeable future. That's not just – it's not the cards. I don't know why. I, I don't know why everyone's over here going talking about how this is going to be such a great ball game. It's going to be an awesome ball game for like a quarter or a half. I'm telling you guys, you don't have to – I'm a huge proponent. You don't have to have a, a Heisman quarterback win a, win a national championship. You can win quarterbacks, uh, win championships with an average quarterback. Alabama's in a drought right now. This is a drought for the University of Alabama. If you think that Nick Saban isn't pissed off about that number three ranking, you got it messed up. If you think that that team thinks that a number three ranking is okay, you got it messed up. Do I have Alabama losing the Iron Bowl at the end of this year? I, in my heart of hearts, yeah, actually, I do think Auburn can win that game to make this Auburn centric. Alabama's not losing. I'd actually like to redact now. Alabama's not losing LSU either. I don't know that there's a game on this schedule that they lose. This team is much, much better than people are giving them credit for. So for all the Bammers that were my mention, there you go. You had it. All right? You, you, you heard it from me here first. I like Alabama like 35-14. I'm, I'm just not kidding. So that's where I'm at. That's, uh, that's a take. I think this game is going to be – very, very uh, close to what happened last year. Uh, but can Quinn Uber stay healthy in this game? Uh, can, can Texas finally get over the injury bug that happens at, at, in their quarterback room whenever they play Alabama? <laughs> this game has the exact effect of the years leading up to literally 2022 when Alabama would go play at Tennessee or vice versa. Oh, this game's going to be so close. This is the year this game's going to be close. You know, This team's coming in. They've got to win. Tennessee has to win. They're so due. And then they get thumped. Thumped. You don't go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and just take over a ball game. It's, it's not really feasible anymore. Not, not under Nick Saban's watch. He's the greatest to ever do it for a reason. I mean, he, he is unequivocally, unquestionably the greatest coach in the history of college football. If you don't think he can get the most out of his guys, even if he doesn't think he has the most talent, you just got me messed up. I just, I'm not buying into the Texas hype. I never will. Um, I'll be honest with you. Steve Sarkeesian should have lost his job last year. Like I don't, I don't understand why he's so employed either. So that's that's what. That's a lot of that's a lot of pro Bama talk going on at the end of the show. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, this game of the week is going to be disappointing. It happens more than you think it should too. The ESPN game of the week always winds up being a, not always, but winds up being a flop a lot. Oh, last week, uh, North North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, that game was fun for what, South Carolina. Me. Yeah. Yeah, the Beamer Ball, I, I think uh, Beamer Ball is uh, probably a year or so, maybe more away from actually being a competitive uh, throughout an entire season instead of the last two games of a season. Or like we learned that South Carolina actually has a ceiling, which we've known the entire time. That's also like on the table. Like well, South Carolina has gotten the SC Championship before. Yeah, good for them. Anyways, John, tell everybody where they can find you. Love you and support you. Uh, you guys can find me on all of my social media at johnlee 49 my Instagram, the Bird app. Uh, threads, whatever it might be, uh, you can find me there. Uh, my personal MySpace. You guys can find me there at John Lee Forty Nine. Uh, yeah, I'm here, Sitar at Buyer Sitar on the Bird app, on Threads, wherever. 
most of you guys have found my handle on Twitter in the past week. That's fine. <laughs> I said something that was wildly out of pocket. So I am that. Anyways, if you're hanging out with us here on the YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, and ring the bell. We're really trying to get to a thousand subs by the end of this football season. Like, help us get there. That is the biggest thing you guys can do to support us. It's not, you know, we'd love for you to go buy the merch, the merch, go get a feeling loopy shirt. But if you don't want to spend the $25 right now, if you don't, if, if that's just not in the cards or if it's not something you're interested in, that's fine. If you hit the sub button, that's all that we ask of you right now. For real. That's all we're asking is just, just help us out there. So make sure you like, subscribe, ring the bell. Drop your comments. Drop your score predictions for Auburn versus Cal in the comments for this one. We want to hear it. John, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for hopping back in, doing your doing your film research. You are the freaking man. Always fun to talk ball with you. Always, always. I appreciate it. I'll be here whenever you need me. I love watching film. I love breaking teams down. Uh, it's it's fun getting to be a part of this. I, I really do appreciate and enjoy uh, every moment that I'm on the college loop. I'm so glad to hear you love feeling loopy. Dylan, let's get out of here. All right, of course, I'm Dylan Lark, at you boy the tank on Twitter, slash X, redirects. Also, you can find me on Instagram, at Dylan Lark, at D-Y-L-A-N-L-A-R-C-K. And you can follow us here at the College Loop. You ever see on YouTube where you can like, comment, subscribe. Again, like Tar said, leave your predictions for the game. Uh, predict your stat lines. Why is Robbie Ashford winning the Heisman in 2023? Leave all those statements below. And, of course, if you want to find us on social media, have us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And, of course, right here on YouTube. Again, cannot pressure that into you enough. Like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're tired of seeing our faces, completely get it. Look at Tar. Look at him. Yeah. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. And, of course, with all of that being said, this has been the College Loop podcast or actually the game game day preview, preview. there we go